Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by financial ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to The China Shop. I'm your host, Kyle, and joining me for this midweek update is Eric from ES Invests. How are you doing, Eric? What up? Got any uh, big plans? Anything new happening on your side of the, uh, I guess, your coast? I have no plans. Okay. I guess we'll move on then. Uh, if you'd like to reach out with any suggestions, <laughs> corrections, trade ideas, or just say hi, do that via email at tubles at financial net to do. Or you can join our free Discord server with a bunch of amazing people together to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Okay. Now, you were talking to me in this few minutes ago before we hit record about some big news that came out that I actually completely missed. LOL. Yeah. Uh, so apparently... Uh, the U.S. got downgraded. That's one way to put it. I like that. That's that's actually a better way to frame it because it's like super overarching level theme. So then that leads people to kind of come to their own random conclusions about what that actually could infer. So, yeah, I love that. <laughs> so f- who is Fitches and why did they cut our credit rating to, let's see, it went from AAA to AA plus? Yeah. So essentially the, the news is you're highlighting. Um, it's more about future potential impact, but there mm-hmm. are a few rating agencies that essentially take a look at U.S. credit, and they are essentially the ones that 
and decide and infer what they think our ratings are, which is interesting because if you look at some of the other raiders, they're not they're not all aligned. Yeah, because so, I thought the U.S. got downgraded like uh, a couple of years ago, even wasn't it? Um, I would have to look at the individual piece of news that you're referencing. There are different aspects of the economy that can get upgraded and downgraded, and same thing as it comes to just U.S. finances. Right. So yeah, it's it's pretty specific. In this case, it's obviously talking about broad U.S. credit, mm-hmm. and there. The reason why this is topical for us is not just because of the downgrade itself, although that piece of news by itself is a tradable event, but this against the broader backdrop that we have with interest rates and inflation, it all Mm -hmm. kind of adds a little bit of fire and fuel together and um, it starts painting a slightly different picture. Because I mean, you could think about it this way. There was a downgrade and the market moved down, you know, like a percent and a half. So it's not like this was like sky is falling out. It's all, we're all fucked kind of thing. But it was notable enough that it definitely caused a sell-off on Futures Open last night, overnight, and then also today. So yeah, yeah, I I think that's the the main thing. But yeah, there's not even agreeance between all of the other rating agencies, which I find interesting. So why is this one so much more important then? Uh, Because it moved. Uh That's Yeah, that's why. Because they're, if one of the other ones chose to downgrade it, like that would be equally as topical. But because gotcha, this gotcha. was the one that moved, then it matters. Right. But there's, yeah, the way to think about the rating agencies for credit, at least, there, there's three big ones. There's a bunch of them, but there's three big ones. There's S&P, Moody's, and Fit. Yeah. So Moody's yeah. is the name I recognize. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, shit. And that's the first time I think I saw the word sovereign in there. <laughs> oh right so uh all right well should we move on and talk about some other stuff yeah we can talk about how your how your trades went today in that um yeah (laughs) well we talked a little bit it'll probably come up a lot more on friday when we uh do our good bad and the ugly segment but uh yeah missing that key piece of news from the morning i think was was kind of a big big mistake on my part and uh i think you suggested something that should have probably been on my daily plan that isn't and that is reviewing the news that uh, has occurred since i last was in the market or at least watching it uh, i did check to see what was happening you know for the morning stuff but i didn't look to see what happened after i you know tapped out for the day yesterday right yeah i think and, i would have had and, a much different bias coming into the day <laughs> if i exactly. have just done that yeah Exactly. And I think that that's the the main thing I wanted to make sure we covered quickly for people because, you know, you were talking about, you know, looking for your setups and whatnot, which is good, right? We want to have that kind of process in place. But, you know, and and it was funny because when we were talking about it before, I was just like, well, what do you do when there's a big catalyst? And you're like, well, what was the catalyst? (laughs) Yeah. Like, wait, what was it? Did I miss one? (laughs) Yeah. the The main point there being like, if there is a catalyst, the rules start to go out of the window, at least in yeah. the short term, which is the time frame you're trading. I say the same thing if you trade options around earnings, mm-hmm. right? Your technical analysis means literally nothing around right. earnings. It does not care what support or resistance was. There is a big catalyst that's going to move things if it's going to move things. Yep. And that's the same exact thing that kind of happened today. So I know the the main thing is, you know, you found a couple decent setups that, you know, may not have panned out the way that you would have liked or the way that they typically would which I think is just a good overarching message for people to remember that, you know, 
the the broader backdrop still matters and to your yeah. point that might have influenced the way that you were thinking about you know a, approaching the markets because for me a lot of times intraday i won't trade futures directionally unless there's like a compelling reason for me to right and as soon as i saw that news yesterday immediately started gearing up to get a position on because <laughs> of the catalyst <laughs> oh man some days some days it do be like that sometimes what was I going to say? Oh, the worst part too is now I'm like thinking back on it. And I was like, I even recognize that the volatility had increased. It's like, this is different today. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, next time I get that feeling, I'm just going to go back through and look through the 24 hour news cycle just to see if I missed something big. Well, I think no matter what, to be completely honest with you, like if I was day trading futures, like one mm -hmm. of, one of the time frames that I use is a two day, five minute. And yeah, like that will immediately pop up, you know, something that happens. It should have popped up. I mean, I definitely was looking at a 30 minute chart that covers, you know, a much longer period when I'm going to pick my ledges and uh, looking at how the, the volume is shaped out. So, I mean, I had plenty of opportunity to see it. It's all of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because the thing is, is like, if you look for, and I'm, you know, I assume you probably do, but if you look for any sort of those, you know, futures open anomalies, those are very telling. Because a lot mm -hmm. of times when, you know, futures close for their maintenance cycle um, and then they open back up, you can see like pretty quick if something has happened, if there's a giant gap one way or another. And yeah, that's yeah. that's essentially what I saw yesterday from like 1355 Pacific time futures closed around like 46 yep. for E-minis. And then come 1500 Pacific time, they open at like 4580. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was a That's very telling, yep. yeah, very telling heads up. Some shit had happened. All right. Well, maybe it's something that. as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. So you mentioned earnings. Um, should we talk about some upcoming earnings? There's a couple of big names that are coming up tomorrow after the close that I was kind of interested in. I was curious uh, what your take was on them. Yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see. We've got Amazon, uh, I think is the first one on there. Mm-hmm. Amazon, uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery was the other one, and DraftKings. Those were the three that I was looking at. Yeah, I'm looking over Amazon. So what I liked with Amazon was that IV was climbing. I didn't like that it was already above the historical by a pretty significant amounts, almost almost double or twenty pips higher. Um, I was looking at these three tickers as an idea, or at least to paper trade them for. Um, selling straddles into the close tomorrow and closing them out uh, the next morning. Yeah, I'm looking at their previous uh, one, two, seven, eight earnings. earnings. And get to the right one. of the previous eight earnings, there are quite a few instances where historic overtakes implied, like more than I like to see for selling. We're historic over to okay okay yeah so that tells us that the that the realized move is bigger than what was implied i yeah. don't well the historical lags i wasn't sure how to interpret that so that's how is the i guess how is historical calculated and when you see those jumps is that because of fiscal year 21 or is that because of the previous quarters like starting to come in or old quarters dropping off um, I'm not totally following your question. The way that I'm looking at the the volatility around the release is you can use the implied and historic volatility for 
you know, the, the time frame that you're specifically mm-hmm. looking at. So to answer your question on historic, it's exactly what it sounds like, right? It's what happened to price. That's historic volatility. And imply volatility to your point is forward looking. There's always a gap between the two, which is present, right? The second. Oh, okay. Okay. However, so they're just filling in the data. That's what actually happened. That's not what historical was at that time. Um, I don't know where you're looking. Where are you looking? Uh, on the earnings tab on Thinkorswim on TOS. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the earnings tab, if we look at Amazon, this is perfect. So yeah. if you look at, yeah, uh, Q1 2023, leading into the release, we see implied was 50.63, realized was 35.27, 35.27. And then okay. after the release, historic, which was the move that actually happened, was 38.35, and implied came down to 34.42. So in that instance, depending on when you got your fill and what you got your fill at, since mm-hmm. historic overtook implied, some some traders that were selling premium in that instance lost money because they did not make okay. enough money to compensate for the move that actually happened and it happened to be I bigger. See. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that one, I'll strike that from the list. Yeah, well, and to be clear that that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, you, it has to be off the list or that you never want to, you know, do it. What I like to do in these instances is look at the overall price movement and then compare that to where it would be priced on your entry and if mm-hmm. it gives you enough room. So like, for example, the on Q1 2023, before the release, it was around like 109.82. And then after the release, it looks like it hits, you know, 105.45. So essentially, if you're still getting 10 points of premium, mm-hmm. this still could make sense, even in that instance. Right. Okay, yeah. Okay. So it, there's a little bit more of a qualitative assessment, but if you look back at some of the more extreme examples, like Q2 22 or Q1 22, or even mm-hmm. Q4 21, like all of those cases, that would have been very difficult to make because those are big moves. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was the other one? Um, Warner Brothers then probably not looking so great. WBD. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't look super bad to me. Uh, there's not as much data to go back and look at, but uh, so, yeah, so the Q last two would be two twenty two and Q three twenty three. You see where uh, historical creeped up above, but the other, the last three or last two seem to be okay. Yeah, and the thing is, is like you never know what the next one's going to be like. Yep. And the other thing is, what I really care about is not if historic overtakes implied, but it's the scale that it does so. So like, gotcha, for example, gotcha. if you look at Q322, like, yeah, that mm-hmm. absolutely did happen. However, there still might have been time like right after the open to get out of it before on the close, right? Because it closed, what, at 1043. So if you yeah, got you out can on see the open. Yeah, if you, yeah, you exactly. would have been a lot higher than that. Yeah, exactly. So something like Q222, that one would have hurt more, but it's still not even that big of a move. It's like a $3 move. So even if you roll the dice in something like this and use size appropriately, even if it's wrong, which it might be, it's still not going to be anything so catastrophic that it's going to cause a big problem. And if you have a smaller account and you can't just control risk via size, you can always just spread it off, right? Just put some wings on Mm -hmm. it so that you're going to give up some edge to do that. It's going to provide drag on your returns, which is a drag, but you're essentially going to control your risk, which is going to be more important than anything else here, provided that long run, it's still net positive. 
And honestly, for me, like I'll make note, I'll still take the trades and make note of what I didn't like about it and track that too, because I want to see, I want the data right now. I don't care if the trade works or not necessarily. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. So uh, yeah, as many uh, variables as I can identify and start to, you know, pay attention to and keep track of, I think is, is better for me. Let's see. DraftKings was another one that I was looking at, but um, this one looks a lot more. This one looks a lot more like Amazon did, I think, even though the moves themselves weren't really. Yeah. So in this case, something that's off-putting to me is if you look at Q1 23, Q4 22, Q3 22, all of those instances, historic overtook implied, even if you go back again to Q2 22. So like the last four releases, that's what happened. Again, yeah. it's it's like rolling a die, right? It doesn't mean that the next one's not going to not do that. But the no, other but thing, we should be able to see probabilities, right? It's got to be more likely. The other thing that I don't like about it is the severity of the, right, the actual drops. The yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. So of the three Warner Brothers, it looks like the best... Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think. Okay. Let me see what else we got. Yeah, I was curious if any were on your list. Um, yeah. So for tomorrow after the close, um, Amgen, I typically will look at. Gilead, I'll typically look at, and then for Friday on the open, Sibo, I'll typically look at. I think I saw ConocoPhillips was coming out. Do you like the bigger cap names like that? Or do you want something that has more volatility to it or more movement? I don't care. Yeah, for for earnings, it it is literally a procedural numbers game. Mm -hmm. So as long as they have liquid options is really what it comes down to. Walk me through Amgen then. What are you seeing when we look at this earning tab that you like? Uh, What stands out as it being? I haven't looked at it yet. It's just a name I typically look at. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it still actually looks fine to me, even looking at it here. So the, I would have to look at my data set. It's typically like, I don't just scan through this and say like, based on how I feel about these charts, what do I think? What I like to do is chart the percentage movements between IV, HV, pre and post, as well as the dollar movements. And I have like a, an Excel tracker that I use for that. And then I get a sense of what the typical edge is. And then I size based off of that. But this, have you, to me, have you done a video on how to calculate all that stuff? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. Ooh, do you take requests? Yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> I, I think I have I actually think I might have something. Hopefully it's one of your older ones. I don't think so. Dang. One of the, it's one of the, I think it's one of the fresh new ones. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Those are too polished. No, I like to see you struggle. <laughs> well, that's not oh, what I yeah. do, but oh, I know. Fuck yeah, I okay, just thanks. don't I'll, edit I'll... anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll make sure that goes in the episode description then, so people can uh, follow along with that if they want to check it out too. Yeah. So if there's any struggling, it's me watching people struggle to get through the fucking video. <laughs> How long is this one? Uh, no idea. Uh, it's 18 minutes and 39 seconds. 18 minutes? How much time do you think I have? Jesus Christ. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully nine minutes so that you can listen to it at 2x speed and then you're out the door. <laughs> oh, God. No, I like the I like the deeper looks into these things. I like the ones you do. They're like 30 minutes. 
I know that's, that's the funny part too, is like, as I look at this stuff, it literally is like, this is already about as pared down as I can get it. Yeah. Which, yeah. I want yeah. all the detail. I want, I want to nerd I, out on it. I, I get a, but, I get a kick out of that, but I'm um, probably not your typical YouTube viewer either. I don't even know what is a YouTube viewer. <laughs> All right. Anything else uh, going on this week? Anything else we should touch on? Mm, no, nah, man. No, oh, fuck it. We'll wrap it up and call it an early day. Take it. All right. That's going to be the end then, I guess, folks. Uh, thanks for sticking around to the end. Thank you, Eric, for basically the impromptu teaching session. If you'd like to know more about how he trades, make sure you check out that YouTube channel at ES Invest. We'll have the link for the uh, the video that he shared with uh, if you want to learn more about IV and HV and calculating the the implied moves. Uh, we'll have that video in the episode description too. You can check us out at two bowls in a china shop.com. We'll be back with another exciting episode, but until then share this episode with your friends, like a bear on Twitter, calling the top and take care. That's a good one. I thought that one was decent. Yeah. I approve of that. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.